and welcome to another bona fide episode of E by Gore, the horror movie franchise review podcast. I am Tris. And I'm Damien. And welcome. Yes, welcome, welcome. This week we will be tackling Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Is it a revenge though? I don't think it's any more revenge than episode four. <laughs> well, that was wasn't that like the return? Yeah, well, he returned in the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting his revenge in the fifth, and the sixth one we'll we'll talk about when we get to. How are you doing, mate? How are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. You? I'm getting there. I had a bit of a close shave earlier on this morning, so I took a bit more than I thought I was going to do off. I'm quite liking the resemblance to a, a fellow band member of ours. He, he will love that. He will. What's with the green screen? I can see a lot of green. Yeah, there's a lot of green. Yeah, it's just not working tonight, so we're going to just just run with it. Just ignore the green. Ignore the ignore that huge fucking football <laughs> behind you. Yeah, well, I'm bi- I'm a bit bitter about football at the moment, so we'll not mention that. Nah, Everton is shit. <laughs> anyway, guys, we're at Eby Gore. We focus on reviewing horror movie franchises. We are now close to halfway through the Halloween franchise. Halfway through, and I am no more impressed than I was when we started. I mean, I've seen them all before. I have a far lesser caveat for greatness than you do in horror. I can, <laughs> but I will admit to being pushed quite hard in some of these. Yeah, I mean, you, your job in this is to try and make me love it. You, you're supposed to be filling my heart with juicy horror goodness. But so far, you're falling a little bit short, mate. I mean, we started Halloween to capitalise on the fact that it was <laughs> Halloween. Um, <laughs> we did indeed. But what we are going to be doing at the end of all these franchises, we will be picking a random franchise for our next instalment. You're going to be pulling out some of the bottom drawer, aren't you? I love the bottom drawer. The bottom drawer is the <laughs> best drawer. I always go back to the bottom drawer. It's in the bottom, the top shelf. I love Halloween 1. Well, Halloween 3, as we've already discussed, Halloween 2. But the franchise as a whole has never been one of my top shelf picks. But it is great going through these. I think it's a good start, especially for noobs like you. It's a good way to dip your toe in the water. You get to experience the best of both worlds. You get to experience some highs and some lows. So let's get into Halloween 5. Remember, guys, like and subscribe if you can. Give a tickle to that little bell in the bottom corner. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts from. We be there. Yep, you can also get us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and OnlyFans as well. Damo manages that one, not me. Uh, but no, we appreciate everything. And I know the video was really your domain, Tris, hence why I uh, yep. cover my beautiful visage. But the audio stuff is definitely my domain. And the audio, if you are sick of seeing our ugly mugs... <laughs> Let's face it, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> if you're sick of hearing me say, I, 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 or... Um, if you're or me saying, of obviously, a hell of a lot. And you know. Um, and you know. Well, you know. know. Well, you know, um, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I cut all that shit out on the audio stuff. I just cut it all out. It's so streamlined. We sound so intelligent. Well, I sound intelligent. You sound like a fucking noob, as per. <laughs> but what he actually means is we sound realistic. It's because I edit it. <laughs> so I make myself sound great. All the erms I take out of mine, I just cut it in with yours. Well, so if you watch the next episode on video, guys, just watch out for the massive bell end over Damien's face. <laughs> the game has started. Average party, not we've, we've, de- we've descended. We've descended to pretty much childish banter. It took five episodes. It's done. 
it's all it's ever been with us, really. I thought we did well to get through the first four. <laughs> yeah, I think we got we did well to actually get through the first one, to be fair. Yeah, good point. Just so everybody knows, we say it in every episode, but we do spoilers. Go and check it out. I think it's still streaming on Netflix. I know Halloween is over, but long may the franchise reign. So go check it out on Netflix or go watch it on Blu-ray if you've got it or a DVD, whatever. But yes, we will be spoiling this movie. So Tris, as always... Give me a bit of history on this movie. And you know exactly what I'm going to say, exactly as I've said for four episodes previously. I've never watched this one before. I've just heard it's a bit shit. Sound like Mickey, like a Yorkshire Mickey Mouse. Oh. <laughs> Yorkshire Mickey Mouse. Have it. He bar gum. <laughs> he bar gum. He bar gum. <laughs> history. You have history, none. I have none. This is an education for me. It is just like... Other than the first one, this is the first time what, and given we've gone through four previously, I am not expecting very much on this one. To be fair, for all the shit I give you about not having history with movies, like the fourth one, I don't have a whole lot of history of this one either. I, I still watched it a good seven or eight years ago when I when I really got into collecting horrors and going through all the franchises. As I mentioned before, I was disappointed by the fourth one. I didn't think it was like bottom of the barrel like you did, but as I mentioned, it, I thought it was boring. So with this one, I didn't go in with a great deal of hope, but I just wanted to get some of that gore, some of that e-by gore. I just wanted it. And that, let's I, I, I had none of that hope. I'm not going to lie. After that fourth one, I was not excited to watch this one. Let's get into it. We're not going to go blow by blow on the plot because it's boring, a bit like Halloween 4 was. Tris, I want to find out what your opinions on Michael's resurrection or lack of death from the <laughs> going into this. Well, by now, we are used to the fact that nothing can stop this dude. But you would have thought getting shot many, many times. It's not six times. It is many actually more. ten many. times. Ten, ten times yeah. uh, in this one. And he falls down that whole disused mind thing. And then they throw in one of the comedy cracker. It's a bit like TNT from the uh, Coyote and Roadrunner stuff. Yeah, throw that in there. Absolutely. <laughs> Much like this movie. Uh, but they throw that in there, the whole thing collapses. But just as we, that happens, we see him crawling through a very conveniently placed tunnel. Yeah, where the fuck did that? I mean, I know it's a mine shaft, so <laughs> one could expect a tunnel to be present. But leaving out. But it is a Maya, it's a Maya, it's a Maya shaped tunnel, though. That's it's perfectly sized. It but is. look where he emerges. He crawls along this tunnel. To yeah, emerge onto a river, but they've just dropped an explosive down there. Every other movie where there's a tunnel <laughs> and an explosive, look what happens. It doesn't happen yeah. in this one. The tunnel is pure safety. Number one, bullshit. I'm going to call it right now. Then he emerges clambering out of that tunnel and into the river for some fun body white water rafting. Yeah, it does. It's slightly it's that should be a, That should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> he does it with such grace and perfection it's beautiful I know you like your believability which you mention every fucking show which is ridiculous because <laughs> we're talking horror movies you see I expect the slasher to be resurrected by buying a ticket to watch Halloween 5 or by buying or watching Halloween 5 you're basically saying I accept that Michael is coming back I mean the thing's called the revenge of Michael Myers. You're expecting him to come back. And that's the same for all the franchises. Fucking Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. The, the slasher almost always dies. And I kind of like the experience of seeing just how fucking stupid the way that they bring the slasher back to life. 
I don't get that same kind of fun from Halloween 5. It is stupid, but it's not fun stupid. Like, one of my favourite ones is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Spoiler alert for Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. <laughs> Jason Lives. And they resurrect him by basically digging him up and stabbing his dead corpse with a metal spike. And then it gets hit by lightning and brings him back to life Frankenstein style. Now, that's a fun way to bring the slasher back. But you don't get that with this one. It gets shot on a firing line, thrown down the mine shaft, and just sort of—he's not dead, is he? he? Just sort of swims until he finds that hermit guy living in the woods. I mean, we've said that, haven't we? But with any kind of franchise, you have to kind of have that slasher come back, don't you? Otherwise, they wouldn't get to double figures like they do. Yeah. They, they build upon the success of the character that they built. We found that with Halloween three. And the fact that that wasn't there, it flopped massively because of that. And they wanted to bring him back. So they have done. But fun fact about this little movie, you say Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers. The Revenge of Michael Myers was never actually mentioned in the credits at all. It was purely Halloween 5. There was no mention of the Revenge of Michael Myers apart from on sort of the promo stuff. So it wasn't actually part of the film. It was kind of a bit, a little bit like an afterthought. Look at you getting all these facts going. <laughs> I have Google. Can you imagine with some of these films back in the day when Google was not even a thing? Can you imagine the frustration when some of these films end the way they do? Right now, oh, we're just yeah. like, whip out our phones, quick Google. Ah, that's what happened. That's fine. I, I don't have many facts from this because I can't be fucking bothered. It was directed by Dominique Ophening Girard, who did Omen 4, The Awakening. Ask me if I enjoy Omen 4, The Awakening, Tris. Did you enjoy Omen for The no, Awakening, Mr. Thornley? So he's not my favourite director. I don't think he really did anything else other than that. I think he did a lot of TV stuff. I didn't really check, but the only thing that jumped out at me on the, on the Wikipedias was Omen 4. That's enough facts for me from now. I need to ask you, Tris. Go on. The hermit guy, is he changing Michael's undercrackers during that year that he's unconscious? <laughs> he's going to be pissing and shitting, right? He's got to be doing something, because literally, I mean... You go, you see sort of Michael go in there. He literally goes in for the kill, you know, proper Michael Myers style and literally collapsed down. Boom. He's down. He was out for an entire one year. One year. Unconscious. Why did the homeless guy feed him or look after him for a year for a start? Just nursed him back to health. A guy who just tried to murder him. Presumably he would have been covered in bullet holes from the firing yeah. line. No, 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 no. Don't don't forget every time we see him in a pristine boiler suit, no exactly. bullet holes at all. It's, it's a self-healing boiler suit and a self-healing mask. Remember, he was shot in the eyes. He was burnt, but the mask was saved. Although it is a slightly different mask in this one. Yeah, slightly better, I would say, than the fourth. Well, you can't yeah. really get much worse than the fourth one, can you? Yeah, data from Star Trek is gone and purely because <laughs> they had actually intended, again, Wikipedia fact finding here, they had actually intended to use the same mask, but the guy that played Michael in five, it didn't actually fit. So they had to design a, a new mask and it is an improvement on four. Definitely. Data from Star Trek is dead. Woohoo! I can feel all the, the like sci-fi guys going like, all these facts <laughs> out today. So many. F I need to get a new fucking podcast partner. It's getting far too <laughs> serious for my fucking liking. Look, I watched this film. I watched the fourth one. I had to do something to pique my interest. So <laughs> yeah. I went on a fact-finding mission so that the only thing I didn't say was, this is shit, which is pretty much what happened with the fourth one. Yeah, I had to have something was. interesting to say to people. Yeah. So Michael survived the firing line, survived the swim down River Rapids, got his undercrackers changed for a year, got his balls, his balls tickled and washed. What do you think about Jamie's sudden psychic connection to her uncle? 
bit of a curveball this one it was kind of in keeping with the time i guess for what others were doing but i don't yeah. like it it's basically saying we've got to the point in the series where we don't have any legitimate threats to the slasher villain so we have to yeah, try and pretty give much some because we did the same in nightmare on elm street for the dream warrior and we did the same in friday the 13th part seven the new blood where she had the psychic connection and she battled jason with psychic abilities and I know that Jamie doesn't really battle Michael with psychic abilities, but she certainly has that connection that influences the plot. It's lazy and it's fucking stupid. It's not. Yeah, it's it, not it's a literally good got. No, it's not at all. They've literally got to that point where they've gone, fucking hell. What can we do with this next? I know, aliens. We'll, we'll, we'll do aliens. And someone's gone. Nah, nah. We can't do that. That's a bit too extreme. <laughs> I know. Psychic. Yeah, that's, that's what we'll do. We'll we'll do that. Wi-Fi that's the right way to go. Time. Wrong. Wrong. That's the wrong way to go. I don't like what they've done with Jamie in this one. She's very sympathetic in the fourth one. She's kind of in control of her own destiny to a point. Even Until though she's protected by Rachel. Yeah. Um, with this one, they kind of uh, do her dirty in the in the first bit. She's mute and she's got this psychic connection. She just convulses and she's almost relegated to a bit of an annoying character. It doesn't work for me. So Michael awakens on Halloween, as you do, after his one-year layoff. <laughs> He's got the lightest work schedule you've ever fucking heard. Just, but, yeah. just wanted a bit of a holiday. He did. A bit and, of, uh, sorry, not a holiday. You can't have a year-long holiday. It's a sabbatical. Sabbatical from murdering. <laughs> <laughs> but Jamie has the psychic connection, so she realises that Michael's awake and then she does her whole mute scream. And Donald Pleasance back as Loomis again in yeah. this one. He just believes us straight off. I mean, this is a man of science, a medical man. And he just believes that Michael is alive and that Jamie's got a psychic connection just like that. Yep. Talk to me well, about Loomis. It's pretty thing. much like the police when Loomis says, we need to do something. Just like that, they do it. Yeah, the comedy re- comic relief guys. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Man. The comic relief guys in this movie are classically but, bad. Yeah, and I don't understand. They're so out of play. I know we were sort of zigzagging to and from within the plot here. But you guys have seen it, right? We've said to go watch it first. So we're not going to go through blow by blow because it's just pointless. But the comic relief guys are so out of place. We've got that stupid music playing underneath them. A bit like, I don't even know, like an old school um, carry-on movie. You know, like when Matron used to walk on in the carry-on movies. <laughs> and she has that little music behind them. It's, it's just like that. And then the, the dialogue's like Three Stooges. It would kind of be a bit more in place in some of the more fun slashes franchises. Like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, possibly even Child's Play, where there's a bit more of a fun side to it. But Halloween always takes itself ridiculously seriously. So seeing the comic relief guys just randomly walk in just doesn't make sense. All through the film, they're kind of a non-starter, aren't they? They are, but to some degree, they're also the most realistic thing in the movie and the fact that they're fucking useless. <laughs> they I are police officers that are fucking useless and pay attention to nothing. They may as well just wheeled out the donuts and said, "Have it, lads." I tell you, who's not useless in this is Loomis. He's Loomis. come back. He's come back psycho, and he just uses Jamie <laughs> as a punching bag for the first half of this movie. In fact, for the majority for of the this whole movie. of the movie. Yeah, he literally like, dials up the crazy to not not just ten, not eleven. He dials it up to twelve. Yeah, dials it up six times. <laughs> when Jamie's sort of having those convulsions, he's like, she's got something to tell us. How the fuck do you know, Loomis? Like, what the fuck? You just Maybe he's got a psychic connection. 
up until this movie, he's always had that little freaky thing. He knows what's happening. Yeah, he's just a nutcase in this. But yeah, he's really harsh to Jamie. Like later on, she's still mute until the plot says she doesn't need to be. And she's, <laughs> yeah, Loomis knows she knows something. And he's like, tell me, tell. He's like almost shaking her and grabbing her. Yeah. I know he's meant to be kind of obsessed and you see his obsession grow and he's almost becoming kind of like a monster, a bit like Michael, but less slashery. Yeah, but probably just as dangerous with the way that he's acting in this movie, if, if we're being honest. True, but he's always been dangerous. I mean, even in the second movie, he randomly points a gun at this fucking Michael Myers dresser like <laughs> and this and that ambulance or that police car just pounds into him, which is still one hundred percent Loomis's fault. <laughs> also shot the shit out of a window as well to turn that police car around. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Fire warning shot. Blah, blah, blah. Is that the fourth <laughs> one? That's the second one, isn't it? Yeah, but now he's got a new gun, Annie, as we discussed in the last episode. He's got a Colt 911. I'm not really a gun guy, so I don't know if that's good or not. Neither am I. Wikipedia is amazing. <laughs> I did say that the characters in the last movie were bad, and I stand by that. Yeah, but I'd we agree. still kill Rachel off very early in this movie. Now. Really early, yeah. I wasn't attached to her at all, but they put through this whole ordeal in Halloween 4. She was the main protector for Jamie. She wasn't the final girl because Jamie... Well, she was kind of joint final girl with, with Jamie because they both survived, obviously. But to kill her off so early after they've established her as a main character in the fourth movie, I don't know if it was like kind of a statement to say nobody's safe, but that was the only kill that really shocked me. I mean, I think a lot of the kills in this movie are good, but that one really shocked me the first time I watched it because I really wasn't expecting them to kill Rachel off so soon. Yeah, I mean, it was a really soft kill in terms of kills rated against the rest of the kills in the movie. Still but, yeah, I, I every, every kill in Halloween 4, though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I do agree with you. I think I wanted them to carry her on at least a little bit longer. It was very, very early in the movie to kill what thought was the protector heroine type type character. Very, yeah. very early. And yeah, maybe that was for effect. That was the shock factor that they killed her off very, very early. But yeah, I agree with that. The problem is... <laughs> I can't throw anything back at that. You don't really realise how much you miss Rachel until you meet Tina. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jesus. She is the total opposite to Rachel, isn't she? In, in every way, in terms of a protector character, she is literally, she's a little bit wild, she's daring, she's fucking stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, she, very different. It's not against the actress, whoever she is, did a, an okay job playing Tina. She wasn't... I've seen some bad performances in horror movies, and this isn't a bad performance. This is bad writing. She's written yeah, to I'd be agree. stupid. She makes the wrong decision. Every single time. Every time. I know it's a horror movie. There's characters that do that. It's meant to be like that. But those characters that always make the wrong decision and are stupid usually get killed off early to make way for the final girl to prove that she's this character <laughs> arc. Not, not quite, quite as stupid. No, true. And not just Tina, but the rest of the characters in this movie. I said that the, in Halloween 4, the characters are really two-dimensional. What's lower than two-dimensional? This fucking movie. stupid is what's two-dimensional and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they've literally said hang on a minute we need to make this some kind of teen slasher type thing Which they, they, are. They, they are but they've put these proper teen characters in there we've got the dude with the car typical pretty boy and then we've got tina the rebellious side which is it, it's kind of like they've got this yin and yang thing with rachel and tina they've literally put two different types of characters in there but the characters that surround tina they're all fucking stupid. 
You see, I agree with what you said. The, dif- the differences between Tina and Rachel, that I get that. But if we'd have met Tina in Halloween 4 and got a little bit of interplay between Rachel and Tina together, then I kind of I would agree about Yin and Yang, and I probably might have accepted it a bit more in this movie. Yeah. But she wasn't even in the last movie. She just rocks up, and all of a sudden, Jamie loves Tina and forgets all about Rachel, who is her foster sister, let's not forget. She barely even acknowledges it through the rest of the movie. But aside from Tina, there's Mike. Mike. <laughs> the asshole, Italian-American-styled, almost like an anti-Fonzie um, thug, <laughs> who's obsessed with his car and his hair. That's the problem with this movie's characters. Tina, that's a bit of a wild child, she exists to party and to put herself in danger. You've got Mike, whose only character trait is anger and love of his car. You've got Sam, whose only character trait is to be the girlfriend to Spitz and to be the friend but and just wants to fuck. And then you've got Spitz, who's an annoying piece of shit and just wants to fuck as well. And that's kind of their only character trait. Everything they say or everything they do circles back to this one character trait. Again, I don't mind shallow characters in movies, but to say it's a Halloween movie and they're always striving to be the forefront or the leader of the slasher franchise, it's not done that well. You want some depth in the characters in any movie, not just horror movies. You need to have some depth and I'll say believability, but I don't mean that in terms of the effects and stuff like that. I mean, you want to actually believe in some of these characters. You want to invest in them. And With this movie, there's very little connection for the audience to the characters because they've got no depth, they've got no substance. Yeah, no, absolutely. The kills in this movie are substantially better than before. And I would say some of the best ones of the entire franchise so far. I'd agree with that. So Mike's kill, in particular, is one of the favourites of mine because, you know, Michael grabs this three-pronged... There's a lot of three-pronged weaponry in this movie. (laughs) A lot of barnyard equipment, farm gardening equipment, a lot of pitchforks. But he grabs it and he scrapes it along the car. And Mike being Mike, you know, his Ch- own character Ch- Forget Mike. about Mike. That that hurt me. Oh, yeah, you That's like a, it. That is a 1967 Chevrolet Camaro. And it's been cleaned and polished to within an inch of its life. You know I'm a petrol head. I, I love my cars. Yeah, so to bums. see that just, just eking across, it was like nails down a blackboard for me. I wouldn't, have given a sh- I wouldn't have given a shit, really. But Mike does, and he gets up to, you know, realises <laughs> that it's Michael Myers, and then he just gets the pitchfork, you know, the, the three-prong, whatever the fuck it is, he gets the pitchfork to the head. He doesn't cut away. You see the blood, and he falls down. It's a, it's a really good kill for a slasher movie. It is, but it serves him right for being Billy Big Bollocks. He gets out thinking, some fucker scratched my car, I'm going to be Billy Big Bollocks, I'm going to get out, and he gets put down, boom, straight away. One and shot. like you said, Three-pronged tool, pitchfork, to the head, bang, job done. Yeah. Anyone ever scratched your cars like that? No. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, you, you live out in the sticks. You know, it's prime place for someone to use a pitchfork on your car. No, do you know what? Somebody once, I was once driving around Blackpool. We were actually on a gig at a holiday park, and somebody actually did throw a stone at my car. I got an Astra VXR at that point. Good it was bastards. my pride and joy. And some little bastard that was about five a stone at my car and i got out and gave him a piece of my mind i told him i kind of had a very strong word for him but yeah i kind of wanted to throttle the little bastard i wanted to go all mikey myers on him but he's yeah he he turned around and it was a mini michael myers with a little mask on holding a little (laughs) (laughs) that's it i just ran away (laughs) but apparently apparently tormenting kids that throw things at your car apparently that's frowned upon (laughs) 
again, one of the great examples of Tina being a bit of a fuck nugget is when <laughs> so Michael Michael kills Mike. Make sure you Michael Myers kills Mike the douchebag. Yep. It's Halloween. Everyone's wearing masks, but Michael feels it necessary to change his mask. And to put this weird goblin mask on and goes, inst- instead of killing Tina, which is kind of his M.O. at this point, he just picks her up and decides to spend the night as an Uber driver or something like that. <laughs> just drives her around for a little bit, you know. You're right. I, I know what you're going to say. It-, it doesn't factor in her brain, does it, that, hang on a minute, this isn't my boyfriend. You've got a completely different build type, totally different he's clothes. He's way bigger. <laughs> the dude's a sweet man who plays him. He's way bigger. Totally different more. clothes as well. Yeah, he's got wearing a jumpsuit for it. Yeah, boiler suit, isn't he? Just on that, can I just come back to the fact that Michael Myers as a character has actually been in an asylum till the age of six. Yet again, he can drive. Where the yeah, fuck did he learn to drive? Kind of gets explained in the next movie, but I don't want to jump. I don't really want to jump back <laughs> on <Halloween> six. <laughs> Another thing, Jamie gets annoying in this. It's no fault of Daniel Harris. She's doing the best she can with the terrible material, but she has this convulsion because. Tina's in danger. I mean, she didn't get any convulsions when Mike got shit mixed in the head with the pitchfork. Why would she? That was a good yeah, kill. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. But Tina's not even killed. And she's that stupid, she can't tell. But a nine-year-old 25 miles away in the clinic knows she's in danger. So she tells Loomis. And she can start talking now. Like, she's been a mute so far in the movie. But all of a sudden, now she's fucking and yakking away. <laughs> and all it took was to... For her to see Tina in her previous scene and go, Tina. Yeah. Tina. And cured. That's it. That's all you need. For anybody out there who is struggling as a mute, you can't talk because of some random traumatizing experience. Just mutter the words Tina. It works. <laughs> Let's talk about the killing spree that he goes on. Because Tina, she does get brought back by the com- comic relief cops and instantly fucks off back out to the party. <laughs> Again, makes the wrong decision every time. And then Michael, again, finds himself at that party as well. Spritz and Sam, you know, we get down to some good old-fashioned team fucking because that's what you do in a slasher movie. The barn scene, all the shit we've talked on this movie so far, the barn scene's really good. You yeah. find the kittens, there's a bit of build-up where Sam's looking around. We get the false scare where Spritz is dressed as Michael. And then we start getting down to business. And we get the kill with the actual pitchfork this time, with Michael driving it through Spitzer's back while he's on top yeah. of Sam. Great kill. You get time to appreciate the kill. It's almost like when you curl out a really bad fart and you get time <laughs> to take it in to enjoy the aroma. This is what this kill is. It's an epic fart. It gives you time to appreciate it. You see the blood coming out of his mouth. You see Sam getting covered in blood. It's beautiful. It brought a tear to my eye. The fart or the kill? Both. (laughs) Yes, I I see what you mean. It's definitely one of those where you can appreciate. It waits for the reaction, doesn't it? It waits for that reaction of the people to that kill. I do think they could have gone further, but it is a very good kill. Just the way that they they leave it there. How? Push a bit harder, man. Two for one. Oh, like turn them into a kebab. Yeah, two for (laughs) one. Yeah, they did a very similar kill to that in one of the Friday the 13th movies. Very similar. I can't remember which one it is, but he drives a pole through two kids fucking. But also, Sam gets killed there. You don't get to see her fear and her reaction to the kill. And also, we don't get to see Mike wielding the fucking scythe like some grim reaper-looking motherfucker (laughs) and take her head. I think he cuts away for the decapitation scene, but you do get to see her head go flying away. 
which again is a really good kill. The only thing that's saving this movie is there's some really good kills in it. They are better. They're a little bit more premeditated. Well, I say premeditated. They, they are quite impressive as well. But a, yeah, creative. That's exactly the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they're a bit more creative. There's a lot more action involved in them, a lot more thought process that goes behind it. And I, I quite like that. They are definitely better than the last, to be honest, anything was better than the last movie. They could have literally shown a pile of steaming shit and it would have been better than the last movie. And Jamie, for some reason, she gets probably gets pissed off with how bad the police are in this movie. But she decides to go and save Tina herself. So she drags a, a friend from the clinic, the little Billy or whatever his name is, some stereotypical 80s young kid's name, <laughs> like Kevin or Billy or whatever. They go out to the party. Fuck knows how they get there or how they even know where it is. But they go there. And There's a course, common theme in this movie about that. You know, Mike always knows exactly where to be for the right action point. The kids also know exactly where to be as well. There's a lot of psychic connection going on. Yeah, it must be the psychic connection because Tina ends up there as well. She's found Spitz and Sam. I still can't say that without a fucking smile on my bone. <laughs> Spitz, what a fucking name. She's found them dead. She's also found the comic relief cops, you know, with their throat slit in the car. Bumps into Michael and the kids. We get a bit of a chase scene. And then, because Tina's not really the final girl, I wasn't too shocked to see her get killed. The character's written to be quite dopey and quite stupid. So, you know, when she gets stabbed, pretty traditional kill for a Halloween movie. He's got his kitchen knife back. Must have picked one up somewhere in the party. And just yeah, you know, there's always there's always a Wilkinson's anywhere around, you know. You just <laughs> and given the resources that Haddonfield has, you know, I'm sure they've got a Wilcoat. If you think you could fucking stab into somebody with a Wilco's knife, mate, I think you're being <laughs> slightly optimistic. But, what, you, um, what you're telling me, they're not quality knives? Uh, no, no, I can't see us getting no, sponsored no. by Wilkinson's anytime soon. <laughs> no, it's, it's not quite the German chef's knife that he actually does have. But it's a good kill. You know, to say it's one of the traditional ones, we get to see the impact a bit, and there's plenty of blood on the knife. And it's at this stage where Loomis thinks, right, a fair few people have died. I need to earn my paycheck. He gets up <laughs> and starts screaming at Michael Myers. Well, he starts screaming at Michael Myers who's still in the woods and says, Michael, meet me at the place where it all began, which is his home. It's a good job Michael knew what he meant. Yeah, do, do you know on that scene as well, another Wikipedia fact, on that particular one, Donald Pleasance actually wanted Don Chance to actually go and stand in the woods because he didn't want to actually go and scream at nothing. And of course he obliged. And I actually think that was a good call. Because you can kind of see him in the woods there. You know, it, it gives that little bit of creep factor. Good scene. Yeah, but Loomis seems like the kind of guy that would just stand there screaming at nothing. Like, even if Michael wasn't around, <laughs> I could just see him standing around screaming, I tried to buy this pint of milk six times! <laughs> six <laughs> pints! Yeah, six pints. I could do with six pints. <laughs> so he decides to try and draw Michael out. So they head back to the house casually using a nine-year-old as bait for a serial killer. Because <laughs> there's nothing illegal in that at that no, time. Absolutely. absolutely. Where's the legal guardians gone in this case? You know, like, <laughs> she was living with the Strode family. I know she attacked the... I know she's... That's, oh, that's another thing that pissed me off. forgot to mention. So, yeah, at the end of the fourth movie, we both said that the, the best part of Halloween 4 was the end, where she, she loses her shit and kills her foster mom. And then in this movie, it's downgraded to just an attack because of the psychic connection. And I think it's such a shit direction to take Jamie and like the saving grace of the fourth one was this one. And I think we just dropped the ball massively. 
Yeah, they, they really, really should have actually continued on that. The whole route that they went down was a massive letdown. Uh, with how they actually did it because they could have done so much with that twist of the story you know making Jamie you know potentially even the next Michael they could have even made it you know a sidekick they could have done so much but they just chose not to I know they wanted to keep Michael as the focal point of the series and I understand that but there's nothing saying that they couldn't have had Jamie in a sanitarium much like Michael was as a youngster going through the same sort of issues Michael was like falling deeper into darkness whilst Michael is still out there doing slasher stuff and somehow bring the stories to, you know, to a, p- a point together. But we didn't. We just dropped the ball. And, and I, th- yeah. I thought that was a really shit part of the, of the movie to do that. Yeah, massively. What they did is they decided, I don't know, we'll just fuck off that really great storyline that we could do. And I know Donald Pleasance was dead against... Yeah, he was, yeah. You know, sort of dropping that. He really wanted them to go down that whole Jamie exploration route. But what they did is they went, let's fuck off that really good storyline that we've just come up with to end the movie. You know, let's forget all of that. And let's just continue down this really shit line. We'll make a mute because that'll be fun. <laughs> and we'll bring in this weird psychic thing because that'll be fun as well. And they've just missed a massive opportunity to actually make it really, really good. And it, it's kind of completely forgotten. I know they rewrite a lot. They've done that historically in a few of the other movies as well. But they totally drop what was possibly that could have really sent the franchise down a whole different level. But they've kind of resorted back to, to basics. And I think this film really suffers because of it. Chances are they have still fucked it up. But yeah, let's talk about the <laughs> climax of the movie. So all the police are around the Myers house, which looks vastly different in this movie. And yeah. that's because it is. Added um, laundry oh, shoe. Yeah. yeah, they've got a laundry shoe, which has never been present in any other movie so far. <laughs> but it's used to good effect, I think. So all it the is. police are there. And then Michael somehow becomes like an MI5 agent and pulls a double bluff. <laughs> on the police force by letting the you know attacking the clinic quickly running five miles across town to attack the clinic just to lure the police away to then quickly run five miles back in the space of 30 seconds <laughs> it does not matter how fast you run michael myers will walk faster he's definitely got transportation skills but then we get another great kill he puts his hand through the window and grabs the cop's head and just fucking rams it into the steer it's one of my favorite kills of all time it's brutal as shit. i thought i thought that would be i can literally see you grabbing your yet to fully form tinkle at that one <laughs> yeah definite semi <laughs> <laughs> it's a good kill and then he kills the other cop who's upstairs protecting jamie hangs him by a rope ladder outside of the house because Jamie's randomly got... In fact, no, uh, it's a Myers house, isn't it? So the Myers house randomly has a rope ladder just there. Yeah, you, to... you never know when you're going to need a quick escape route. Maybe it was foreshadowing from the Strode family from when Myers was a kid. <laughs> they knew they were going to have to make an escape at some point, but they obviously fucked that up. Um, and then he chases Jamie throughout the house. Up and, and I do think there's some genuine scares to be had, some genuine tension being built here. He chases Jamie down the laundry chute and then chases her back up. Which is a bit funny. He stabs her in the leg, which is kind of harsh. Again, she's a kid. You don't really see a lot of kids getting injured in these films, but he stabs Jamie in the leg and manages to make it up there. And then talk to me about the humanizing of Michael Myers in this scene. Yeah, it's something that's that's sort of been intimated throughout this movie in a couple of other places, but this is the main main focus point where they do it. I have to be honest, I do not like it. And it's a whole different angle that they're taking it takes away from michael myers but you know jamie she shouts out uncle he all of a sudden stops in his tracks uncle mikey please don't kill me and we get this sort of human quality 
to what previously has been an unstoppable monster. And I just, I don't like the way that they take it. It literally, it humanizes him to think that he has some kind of a conscience. That was probably the intention, but I do not like it because we've had these four movies before, obviously three of which he was in. And we've built up Michael to be this unstoppable slashing killing machine who Loomis has portrayed as having no conscience, no soul, is pure evil. This begs to differ, this little humanization trait, and I don't like it. So one thing I did see about this, I didn't read it. Maybe I read it. I can't remember. It's come from the pool of useless facts in my brain about horror. But the director wanted to show with this scene that even though Michael was struggling with his emotions, the evil that was in him or controlling him still overpowered his human emotions not to kill to make to force him still to kill Jamie. I think it's like a lot of this movie executed really badly. The issue with this film is I don't think it knows what it's trying to be from one part to the other. So a lot of this movie is really goofy. You've got the stupid, less than two-dimensional characters making stupid choices. You've got the comic relief cops that are so out of place. Despite the good kills, the characters are bad. The movie's quite goofy. So to then, towards the climax of the movie, try and get this really heartfelt humanization where we're meant, it's meant to tug on your heartstrings or it's meant to hit you in the fear that some evil's controlling him beyond what his emotions can portray. It's trying to cash a check it shouldn't be able to write because of the way that the movie's built so far. So, yeah, like you, I, I don't like humanizing slasher characters. It very rarely works. And when it's used, it's fucking stupid. It's really stupid in this one. Taking Michael Myers' mask off in such an average entry into the franchise doesn't do any favours either. And I think what they wanted to do with this, where they actually removed his mask, I, I did actually read somewhere, that they actually had some whole makeup thing planned to actually reveal his chard and uh, oh, right. face and everything. But they decided against it and to actually keep him in darkness. And I think for all of how much we actually hate that humanisation, keeping him in darkness was the right choice to make because it kept that that dark side to him it kept that never knowing what's underneath that mask true and then loomis decides to show up finally grabs <laughs> jamie uses her as bait i mean say michael's been Again. so cunning. yeah but he's been so cunning in this movie he's been like running the police all over he's been using all these weapons like, he must be the only person in history not to know that he's been fucking set up by jamie because he's grabbed jamie and loomis is just backing away saying come and get her come and get her <laughs> no no psychic connection, that's what it is. Zero psychic connection to Loomis. And then he gets trapped under a, a metal net. Fuck knows where Loomis <laughs> got that, how he rigged it. But it's like fucking, I don't know, like Funhouse or something like that. It is literally wow. out of the Acme top drawer, that one. Yeah, it is. It's very cartoony. And then Loomis just beats the ever-loving fuck out of Michael Myers. So much so that he, he broke. Is it Don Shanks, Bill Shanks? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, he broke his nose <laughs> and shanks. Yeah, and that's not the only time he's actually got injured in this movie as well. Uh, you know the scene where he actually crashes the Camaro. Yeah, yeah. When he crashes it into the tree, at that point, he was told before he actually got out of the car, he could not end that scene until the director yelled "cut." But the director didn't yell "cut." Instead, they stood there going, "Wow, that looks so fucking realistic." When somebody crashes the car, that looks so realistic that it took one of the other crew to shout cut. But in that meantime, the car had actually caught on fire and actually burnt him. <laughs> so he ended up a broken bone from Donald Pleasance whacking him with a rubber plank or whatever it was and beating the shit out of him. He also got burnt as well early in the movie. Not a good movie for him. 
I love the idea of Donald Pleasance just fucking going ape shit and knocking the shit out of him <laughs> and breaking his nose. Hello, I'm Donald Pleasance. I have to register my hands as lethal weapons. Isn't Six it? times! <laughs> Six times. Um, and then they finally arrest the brutal and legendary serial killer, Michael Myers, and take him off to jail. The movie ends with the man in the suit. We have not mentioned a man in the suit so far because he's such a bit part in this movie. It's ridiculous. He just got off a bus somewhere and started acting shady. He can't be that important, a man. He just got off a fucking bus. Like, where's the, <laughs> could be that strong for a limousine? I'm sorry, there were no Ubers or, you know, like limousine drivers around to, to sort know. of you know, transport him everywhere. This is one of those subplots in this movie that really fucks me off because there is absolutely no context to it whatsoever. You literally just see this guy in black just randomly appearing at different parts in this movie. And we, we do see this little tattoo which appears on this guy's arm and we do get a little glimpse that this does also appear on Michael's arm. Where the fuck that came from because it's not been in any of the other movies so far. He's got this tattoo, so we'll assume it's been there all the time, we've just not seen it, but yeah, it, it's such a strange plot. It's got so many holes, it never actually explains itself, and quite clearly this guy becomes a very huge part of this movie right at the end with the, the final scenes and what happens. But up until that point, we know nothing. We get no answers whatsoever about this dude that just randomly appears. He even actually appears in one of the pictures in the mental institution that Jamie's been locked in on the wall behind them. It annoys me. I hate movies where there's unfinished stuff where it it doesn't give you any context or you know i don't mind if they leave it on a cliffhanger where you're thinking oh i wonder what happened to that but this one it's just there's nothing mentioned about it the guy just appears and then randomly in the final scene he's dead important yeah and he brings a gun in throws a smoke bomb and starts mowing down police officers left right and center escapes with michael and i do kind of wonder if they were kind of going for a star wars type trilogy <laughs> plot with this because you got the first one which is like a bit like a new hope you know where miles miles comes back but they do eventually win over him this one's kind of got an empire feel you know michael's on top for most of it he doesn't die in the end of the movie like he does in all the other ones he's in he gets broken out a bit like the empire ends up on top and then we've got <laughs> return of the jedi with uh, the sixth one we'll talk about that next week but i mean yeah, yeah, we've talked about this at length we're sort of 53 minutes into this now. Let's tie a bow on this motherfucker. Tris, what's your fucking rating, bro? What's my rating? And, well, th and final thoughts. And final thoughts. This is, in my opinion, another stinker, in truth. Whoa. But there are... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I offending your sense of horror? Go on. <laughs> I will do. I intend to. Uh, it's a bit of a stinker. There's lots of holes in these plots. Fucking sinkholes in the subplot as well. Lots of errors in the way that the story was penned. They could have done it so much better, but they didn't. So a lot of failings there in the writing, in the direction and stuff like that. That said, it is quite watchable. There's some very, very good kills in this one. Certainly better than any I of the others in the franchise. I am going to give this a big fat six dead Dobermans in the garden out of ten. Not bad. I quite like this movie. I've done nothing but shit all over it through this entire movie. <laughs> but I do that with a lot of horror movies that I like because I can always see the fun side of it. And this film is very fun to watch. Yes, the characters are stupid. Yes, changing Jamie to a mute, psychic child is stupid. But it's funny to watch. The characters are ridiculous, but I like seeing stupid characters getting killed in creative ways. And we get that. The kills are gory. They're good. They're creative. 
There's a lot to them. There's time to appreciate the kills. There's a brutality to it, which we just didn't get in the fourth one. I never found myself bored at any point during the movie. No, I'd I agree with that. My suspension of disbelief was shattered many times, but that's not really a deal breaker for me. I'm not so bothered about that. As long as the movie keeps me entertained, that's what I care about. After seeing the sixth one, which I have, I think there's more than enough of the Cult of Thorn in this movie, in the fifth one, <laughs> compared to what we get in the sixth one where it just fucking goes apeshit. So the subplot doesn't concern me enough because I know what that subplot turns into. So keeping that to a minimum in this movie does nothing but good things, in my opinion. So yeah, it's it's a good film. I enjoy it far more than the fourth one. It's one of the high points of the series for me. So it gets a good old seven cops' heads brutally bashed into a car steering wheel out of ten. It was always going to... You, you, you love that. that kill, don't you? You love that kill. Yeah, it might be in my top ten of all times, you know. I know it's not really a famous one, but I just like the brutality of it. And, you know, you know my thoughts on the police department. So, you know, seeing one get his face repeatedly smashed in only warms my heart. But what are we doing next week, Tris? Well, strangely enough, I, I actually think we should break away from tradition and literally, like, throw in, like, Halloween 17 or something like that. Not being made yet. Well, we'll know, but if we, we like, go forward in time, these movies are so realistic we can do that now telepathy and all that kind of shit we can do halloween 17 michael myers stabbing people with a zimmer frame i've got a better idea let's do halloween 6 yeah i think that might be a better idea the curse of michael myers (laughs) i think we should do that why not why break from tradition i'll tell you what though We've chosen such a long franchise to kick off with. <laughs> Next week will be the one out of, I think it is out of 12 now that Halloween kills out. So this is, that will make us exactly halfway through and I'm already losing the will to live with some of these movies, mate. You, you're really pushing the buttons. You can tell you're the singer. <laughs> with the lows that you are dragging me down to with some of these films mate you can tell you're also the bass player you mate you have not even started to see some of the lows <laughs> of the time, so. but yeah um so guys let us know what you think in the comments section like and subscribe uh let us know on facebook.com forward slash ebygore twitter and insta at ebygore get us on spotify google music amazon music if you listen on apple podcasts give us a little review Five stars only, please. Anything lower, and I'm going to cry. So let us know what you think. You Give us a do share. not want to see that. You do not want to see him cry. <laughs> I do nothing but cry. But yeah, we will be back next week with Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Thanks for coming, guys. We will see you next week. See you next week. Enjoy. Enjoy.